0: Hey, folks, I'm David Goldstein. I'm Brian Brinkman. And you are tuned into a bonus episode of the Beyond the Pond podcast. Usually, this is the podcast which Brian and myself utilize the music of Fish as a means of getting the listener to listen to other bands. It's usually not jam bands because we're kind of trying to use Fish as a, a springboard to get you out of the pond, listen to some other music. We were uh, actually at this point we were going to have an episode about um, our top 10 non-fish albums of uh, the first half of 2020, but I think we're going to put that on hold until next week. Uh, We kind of wanted to do an episode just discussing um, the uh, state of our world as of late and uh, to say certainly that Black Lives
1: Matter. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, as we've kind of been rehashing what's been going on here in the world right now in our country. Um, And as we've been kind of reflecting on, you know, what little impact, but our, our, our our role as podcasters and as people who discover and promote music, um, we realized it was important for us to really step back and kind of examine our views on everything that's happening um, as well as kind of talk about how we're going to approach things going forward, um, from both a musical standpoint, as well as a community discussion standpoint. Um, I echo David's message and you can see it in the title of this episode, black lives matter. Um, this is a really important, uh, it's a really important movement that's happening right now within our country that is trying to essentially erase and move beyond in as large a way as possible the greatest sin of our country, which is the oppression of black people began with slavery and has continued up to this day. And right now is most notably highlighted around police brutality and larger rising white supremacy and white supremacists in this country at the highest level of politics and in a larger pop cultural standpoint. Um, Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for the last three plus years, I think knows where the two of us stand on a political standpoint. Um, But I think it's important for us to step back and really consider what we're not doing, uh, what we're feeling, how we're trying to uh, impact this within our families and how we're trying to create a community and a, in a communal setting where conversation around a really challenging topic that needs to be addressed right now can happen. Um, I mean, I live in,
0: in New York city and, uh, if you just turn on the news. You see that there's been like protests have been going on, have been going on 24 seven. I know we're recording this on a Sunday. Um, the mayor recently decided to lift the 8 p.m. curfew. I think there should not have been an 8 p.m. curfew in the first place because yeah. literally it just gave really awful, really overzealous policemen an excuse to brutalize protesters that were out past 8 p.m. And there were a lot of people I could see were getting, erased, uh, were getting arrested past 8 p.m., Um I think that Mayor de Blasio in New York City has been incredibly ineffectual and wishy-washy and kind of doesn't have a plan going forward. And I think that he is uh, really has zero respect from the police community and I think vice versa. I mean, that's really kind of what Mayor de Blasio has or hasn't done in New York City is kind of a different discussion for a, a different day. I mean, I'll say from my standpoint... Um, i have not gone out and physically joined a protest largely because uh, my two children are five and one and uh, especially with the one-year-old just coming off open heart surgery 10 months ago i didn't feel entirely safe going out with a stroller especially given uh that the covid pandemic still happens to be going on so i mean lately i've been doing a lot of listening I i haven't really done much in the way of posting things on social media i've just been trying to keep my eyes eyes and ears open and really just kind of try to step back and see how I can raise these children in a way that they understand what racism is and how to combat it. And I think, really, I've kind of been taking it for granted just because, I mean, living in New York City, there's every kind of culture and skin color and race and religion imaginable mean, my five-year-old, she was in daycare. All of her favorite teachers, um, I think they're a larger Jamaican. She goes to a public school that's very diverse. I mean, she's simply, she's colorblind. She doesn't know the first thing about someone's different skin color or racism, which is why I've been trying to take a step back and find ways to educate her about it. But it's, it's difficult. But it's the kind of thing that, to me, it seems like you're not born into it. It's taught. I mean, it's been taught in the home, which is why when I see politicians that are very close to me in age, a guy like Senator Tom Cotton is only two years older than me, and I just think to myself, how can somebody be raised in the 80s and 90s with such awful racial animus in their heart? But, I mean, that's a relatively naive view because, obviously, he learned it in the home and just kind of went from there. I mean, the fact that there's still people in their thirties and forties, like these politicians that still have such heavy degrees of racial animus. I mean, you know, if someone doesn't teach our children, then who will, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I echo a lot of what you're saying and, um, uh, I've been trying a lot of this week to do a lot of listening while starting to feel more comfortable in, what I have to say on these issues, um, I think one of the larger challenges and one of the things I'm trying to move beyond as a white male, uh, with regards to all this, all of these issues, is, you know, I studied human rights and the impacts of terror, the impact of terrorism, and the impact of revolutions uh, throughout college. That was where my interests lied. And, um, this is, these, these are issues that have always been very near and dear to my heart. Um, but I have to be really conscious of the fact that, um, at times I've used my own white privilege as kind of a way to almost forget about it and focus more on what's going on in my world. And while You know, I think there's some understandable nature to the fact that we as citizens and workers and parents and what have you have a lot happening and and it's hard to always stay involved. Um, I think that what we're seeing right now is really important and it's a true opportunity that combines a lot of different forces. Um, You know, the murder of... George Floyd on Memorial day this year was done in such a casual manner that Mm. was revolting um, that someone could take someone else's life. An authority figure who is tasked with protecting and serving his larger community. So casually, not even violently murdered someone that combined with this generation that Dave, you and I have come up in, I think technically speaking, you're Gen X and I'm a millennial, but I think in a lot of cases we see eye to eye uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and both of us were raised in a world where going to school, where we went to school, it was unacceptable to put someone down for the color of their skin. Right. And that's kind of where diversity ended, you know, but it, it, it allowed you this, uh, perspective that castigating someone because of the color of their skin was wrong. Um, but you know, you combine that as well with the impact of social media. You, you combine that with the fact that we have a, uh, and i'm not afraid to say this now i probably wouldn't have said this 2 weeks ago but a fascist white supremacist in the white house who absolutely um, utilizes race racial differences and racial tensions to divide the country in what appears to be hopes for some sort of a dictatorial takeover that um simply cannot happen and You know, you combine all of these forces and it feels as though something is possible right now. Um, And I want to be optimistic that it is. And, you know, kind of turning this conversation, one thing we wanted to talk about here um, before we play a bit of music for you guys um, is kind of what Dave alluded to of, of how we're, we're having these conversations in our home. We're having these conversations with our kids in hopes that whatever gains were made when we were kids of simply understanding that you cannot hold the color of someone's skin against them. And that, that is implicitly wrong. Taking that to another step of how do we, put our children in a position where they are living in a world of shared equal rights, how do we help them to encourage that? How do we help them to demand that? How do we help them to not be okay with just saying we are a diverse workspace or a diverse country, blah, 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 but actually being one, um, it's, to me it's a conversation about acceptance and a conversation about the larger introduction of different cultural ideas being more similar than different and that is hard to do but also it's essential to do
0: i mean part of the problem like you had alluded to is that uh the utter Cretan that we have uh, in office right now, who thinks that he's the president of the United States, basically has zero interest in any sort of cultures outside of white supremacy. I mean, there's no. Yeah. He has no interest in the arts. He has no interest in other foods. He has no interest in anything besides himself and whatever he believes it will take to get reelected, which in this case would be basically dividing the country along racial lines. So. I mean, in terms of terms, I guess, of educating my children. I mean, I do give some credit to um, my daughter's kindergarten teacher. They've been doing Zoom conferences once a week as part of uh, their distance learning. And the topic this week, I mean, the teacher right off, you know, who's discussion about racism and what that means and why there's protests going on right now. And, I mean, you know, when that was over, my daughter had some questions, so we attempted to answer those questions. I know uh, this past Saturday there was the uh, CNN Sesame Street Roundtable. Yeah. It's kind of difficult to get a five-year-old to concentrate on any television that um, isn't cartoons for more than 15 minutes at a time. But it was, um, you know, certainly that sort of thing was got like the ball rolling in that direction
1: yeah but
0: i mean we really when it comes to just i guess parents educating their kids i mean you're right they're fortunate to grow up in an environment now in like 2020 where like public schools are diverse i mean i think inherently they know that castigating somebody from their color uh, for their color of skin is inherently wrong But, you know, they need to be reminded. They need to be taught history. They need to learn about civil rights. While I certainly learned all those things in school, I mean, you simply, we can't take it for granted. I mean, I think it's great that our children are going to grow up basically colorblind, but, I mean, we can't take it for granted because then you end up with people. I keep going back to Tom Cotton, but that guy disgusts me so fucking much that that's all I can think about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm... I, I, one thing that we started to do as well um and this kind of works well for you know parents like our a uh, our parents who are around our age or who have kids who are around our age where the idea of going to a protest especially amidst a pandemic you know similar to your situation my wife's a cancer survivor the idea of being heavily exposed to coronavirus is is something that quite frankly still terrifies me. Um, even Mm. though in the larger news media, it seems like we've, we've moved on from this. So, you know, where I've been trying to be effective is communicating really with, you know, large elements of my family where there are still, um, uh, there are still, issues, uh, in, in the older generation around, uh, racial diversity and racial acceptance and trying to be as educating, uh, as possible, but also really focusing on my son while also focusing on donations to organizations. I believe in, um, as well as, you know, being in communication with people I know who are protesting and making a commitment to them that I will, you know, pay their bail should they be arrested for, for protesting this. But um, one thing I was going to say is uh, we've started to make a list of films that um, are for kids that focus heavily on um, diverse character bases and diverse uh, subjects and really just making those like a mainstay right now in our house to give our son a picture through a movie of a character who's going through similar struggles as he is, but does not look like him. And that is something that took me way too long as a young person to really be exposed to. Um, so before we get to the music that we're going to play here, um, I hope that what we've said has made some sense. I think that this is obviously a very heavy subject and we're trying to be as clear minded as possible as we're communicating all of this. So um, I want to thank you all for listening to kind of what we've had to say here. Um, We've been talking in the last couple of weeks about how we want to approach this podcast going forward. And one thing that we've been mindful of is we focus a lot on a lot of white music and a lot of white musicians, and I don't want to push any of them to the side because a lot of them are really hardworking and deserve the attention and the praise that we, uh, lavish on them, but we haven't done as much and as good of a job at promoting specifically younger up and coming black artists. Um, that is something that Dave and I are going to make a mainstay here, uh, at the, at the, at the, at this podcast and really, do everything that we can to be more mindful of and be more attentive to promoting Black artists who definitely deserve your time, your ears, as well as your dollars in terms of purchasing the music that they create.
0: Yes. We, um, you know, certainly we like what we like, but at the same time we realize that the podcast could be a little less Caucasian singer-songwriter. That's uh, kind of the way it's been spreading for the past few years, But you know, definitely we need to make more of a commitment to showcasing, um, young up and coming, just up and coming black artists, up and coming artists of color. And, uh, we'll certainly plan on doing
1: that going forward. Yeah. I think, uh, we need to, and we shall. Absolutely. Uh, in addition to that, um, and we'll share this in our, episode notes but we came up with a list of a couple of organizations that we've been we both have donated to we will continue to donate to and uh, we would encourage you our listeners to donate to um i'm going to go through these really quick then we're just going to give a quick overview of the music we're going to play and we'll get right to that so um kind of first first off uh color of change this was promoted by fish um uh, over the last week, uh, it's a really fantastic organization. It's the nation's largest online racial justice organization, which helps people respond effectively to injustice in the world around us. has 1.7 million members. They make... They moved uh, decision makers and corporations and government to create a more human and less hostile world for black people in America. And, you know, I think from a large scale standpoint, until corporations really reform themselves and until politicians really reform themselves, we're not going to see effective change. So an organization like this should be flooded with donations to really give them the power to push these leaders in our world uh, to to move uh, on this issue immediately.
0: So, also, we have the ACLU, the uh, American Civil Liberties Union. They provide legal services and support to those with a wide range of civil rights complaints. Obviously, they've been at the forefront of fighting uh, for civil rights for decades. We uh, also list the NAACP Legal Defense Education Fund. They are America's top legal law firm fighting for racial justice. The Bail Project. They are seeking to end the racial and economic disparities in the bail system and help pay bail for those who could not afford it. And they've paid bail, I think, for more than 10,000 people since founding in uh, 2007. And then uh, finally, I want to list the Black Mamas Matter Alliance. This is actually uh, it's a partnership between the Center for Reproductive Rights and SisterSong Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective. That I think it came together in 2013. Their mission statement is to center black mothers to advocate, drive research, build power, and shift culture for black maternal health rights and justice. Uh, Women's reproductive rights and maternal health is a cause very, very close to my wife and my hearts because of uh, some issues that Certainly, we had having children, so um, we believe very, very strongly in that and this as well. Um, just as a note, the young up-and-coming jam band Goose actually managed to raise, uh, through their van camp last Friday, I think about uh, $2,000 for Black Mamas Matter Alliance, so that's it's pretty cool. Stuff.
1: Yeah, it's really great stuff from them. Yeah. Um... So we'll post information about that. We'd encourage you all to make a donation to uh, all the organizations, or you know, depending on where you're at from a financial standpoint, the organization you 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 most believe in. In this point, um, flooding these organizations with money, it's only going to help them to have more weight when they're when they're uh, advocating from a right standpoint. So <clears throat> that's about it for us here. We came up kind of with this idea that. In light of our commitment to feature more Black artists, we wanted to showcase some of the artists um, who have really laid the groundwork from a historical standpoint to a lot of the music that Dave and I listen to today. Um, I think if there's any realization all of us as music lovers and listeners should come to, it's that the, none of the music that we listen to performed by Caucasian musicians is possible without the struggle and the creative breakthroughs of black artists that came before them. Um, I'm currently watching Ken Burns jazz documentary and that is hitting home in a very intense way. Um, but then we also wanted to focus on uh, a few artists who are currently making music that we, uh, find to just be mind blowing and, um, should are, are deserving of your time, your energy, your, postings, you know, on social media, your, your dollars for their records. And so I'm just going to go through the list here and we'll, uh, jump into the, um, uh, this playlist that we've kind of thrown together. So
0: the four I ended up picking, actually, we've got, um, John Coltrane, my favorite things from Newport, 1963, pretty well-known cut, but still, uh, 17 minutes of mind-blowing music, Moses Sumney Virile, off of his uh, very recent and very incredible R&B epic album called Grey, got Leon Thomas, the creator has a master plan, the um, late 60s, early 70s vocalist, frequent collaborator, Pharaoh Sanders, and uh, Suzanne, I'm sorry, Sudan Archives, Limitless. That is the name of one Brittany Parks, LA-based musician, who I think we featured on an episode of Beyond the Pond not too long ago. She's awesome.
1: So I selected um, Norija's Riverfest. Uh, Norija is a um, it's a jazz group from, I uh, believe, the UK that uh, put out some really a really fantastic album last year, Bloom, that ended up being in my top 10 that uh i cannot recommend enough um really excellent uh very soulful but also really great experimental um uh jazz that I, I absolutely loved uh Alice Coltrane the widow of John Coltrane uh the song going home off of the lord of lords uh record that is not far from my rotational picks on a day-to-day basis right now. And this track is, um, it's emotionally charged. It kind of brings me to tears and, um, had a clear impact on a lot of the ambient music of the seventies. I'm hopelessly addicted to, um, Archie Shepp, steam part one. um, unbelievable music from him. Very soulful, very groove driven. I, I can't get enough of him. Um, so I, I, if you haven't listened to Archie Shep, this, this track is incredible. Uh, and then Cameron Graves, who is the piano player for Kamasi Washington, I uh, put out a record um, in 2017 called Planetary Prince that um, I recently have returned to. And the track El Diablo is one of my favorites uh, off of the album. So we're going to go ahead and spin that. Um, I hope we've made some sense here. Um, please feel free to engage with us if there's any thoughts that you have, if there's anything additional that we can say here with this small platform that we have, uh, we want to make the most of it. And, um, I hope that you were all doing well and you were all safe out there. Um, Please continue to be engaged. Please continue to support your friends and family members who are protesting in this and, um, you know, try to find whatever ways you can to have an impact because we're, we're at a moment right now where something truly extraordinary is possible within this country and something that I believe and know would make this country a much better place to live for all of the people that live here and are going to continue to live here.
2: Bye. Wow. Dominion to make minions of the stars made up of what?
3: John Coltrane, McCoy Tyner, Jimmy Garrison, Roy Haynes. That's so divine, and the glow of that love will light the sky up above, and the free, can't you see? Come with me. We One demand happiness Through all the layers i
2: friend said she got a new date said she living in the hills she don't worry about a thing said he give a dollar bills no biggie got a bins. we used to kick it at your crib when you stayed in Topanga and you couldn't pay rent so we meditate and we pray what happened to your dreams all you care about is seems now you take all these things to cover up it seems I don't understand I don't like your man We don't got no plans I don't like your hugs I just wanna go back to times When money didn't make you budge Let at our fingertips Don't sweat it, just get it We too cool to admit it All we have is beginning it. Let me listen, I our fingertips Don't sweat it, just get it We too cool to admit it It's okay to be afraid feeling stuck on the That's why just hit it, we too cool to admit it